talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Good evening, good morning, wherever you are, one and all, welcome once again to the Dropped Kickoff for another week. My name is Nick Wasiliev and we are coming to you just after the result of over the weekend of the Wallabies heading to Japan and picking up their fifth win on the trot, the first time they have done so since 2015. Uh, They knocked down a resilient Japan, 23-32 at Ota Stadium in Ota. Um, and I am joined once again uh, for for a discussion about this and the forthcoming uh, and the forthcoming tour to Europe. First of all, by Nathan. How are you doing, Nate? Always good after a win, mate. Always good after a win. It certainly is, and it's a pity that we couldn't get Hoss on the pod again to uh, <laughs> to talk again. But uh, we're, we are going to try and make it happen. I swear. Hopefully, before the end of the season, um, to talk to, to talk the talk about the squad. Uh, we've also got Jack O'Rourke. Jack, how are you doing, mate? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. Pleasure, as always. And back once again, our resident Victorian. Uh, he's the third-grade coach of Melbourne Uni. We know him very well. He's uh, He's been there for many uh, a tough day at the office for any Rebel supporter. Dylan Langes. Dylan, how are you, mate? Um, good, thanks, mate. Good to be back on the pod. It's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to 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 come and chew the fat once again. But let's get into this uh, into this match that we've been talking about. First of all, we have four burning questions once again. Uh, another week of ripping off green and gold, the green and gold rugby show um, with their format. Question one: Our thoughts uh, on this game? Uh, any po- and what are the positives that we can take for the Wallabies? Question two: We are now looking forward or looking ahead to the spring tour. Which matchup are you guys most excited about? Question three. Who would you add to the Wallaby squad? And this is a good chance to keep, have, have an update on any injuries or anything that is happening or any uh, any controversial uh, hot takes and, and opinions, which I'm anticipating will be delicious. And then lastly, questions four. We're going to talk about this match that went on between the United States and New Zealand, which was the other match that happened uh, over, the, over this weekend. And there's been a lot of interesting feedback following it. The, the All Blacks went to Washington and absolutely smacked the USA, the Eagles, 104-14. to 14. Question we ask, our thoughts on this match are, is there any point to this particular game, which I think is a very, very fair question to ask. Um, but first, boys, let's dive into the Wallabies match here. Prevailing, as mentioned, 32-23 against a really strong um, Blossoms outfit. Um, Dylan, I'll throw to you first. What were your thoughts uh, on this performance? Oh, look, it's great to get a, a fifth win on the board. Um, was probably a little bit scrappy, but it was good to see a bit of vintage Quaid come out. You know, the last few weeks he's been playing uh, a pretty conservative steer the ship sort of game. And I think his uh, old school flair came out a little bit, which set up some pretty ent- entertaining tries. Uh, didn't always work, which is, again, vintage Quaid. Um but it was a great. It was great to see the effort come from Japan. The, they really did show that they're not just this pushover that everyone expects them to be. Um, you know, they fronted up in the World Cup, and I think they fronted up pretty well with us. Um, and they've got some genuine stars in that that squad. Um, some ger- genuinely entertaining players to watch. So, 
Overall, yeah, it's um, it's good to get a, a fifth win. And um, I think I was actually reading that it was the first time since 2008 outside of a World Cup that we've won five in a row. So, really? Yeah. In, in a calendar year, that's a it's, yeah. a... it's a it's a weird stat, that one. I'm just... Sorry about you, like that, but it's a weird stat, though. I'm like... <laughs> we, I think we did 2013-14, which we won five straight, but it was in sort of... I think we won, like, the last two or three games... Of the of that spring tour and then into those sort of mid year games, but just call it five the five straight the World Cup. Why, why are we putting all these parameters in to make it more sort of spectacular? Like we will, just call it five straight since then. You're done. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, hopefully we can go uh, go even further. Hmm. Yeah. It was. It was. I actually really enjoyed it. There were. You know. There's. A, there was a lot of. You know. Opinions out there following this game. Everyone saying, "Oh, we should have put twenty or thirty on this." on this Japan side. And I thought, are you kidding me? I mean, this is a Japan. This is, I think the days of us underestimating or assuming that, that any match against the brave blossoms is going to be, you know, a, a walk in the park are over They're They're a top, like they're ranked 10th in the world now, but considering how they, they went out on the weekend, I mean, this is a side that nearly beat the British and Irish lions. They nearly beat Ireland earlier this year. They did beat Ireland and they beat Scotland at, at their own world cup. And I could have seen them knocking off the, like an Argentina or a Wales um, if they turned up the way they did on the weekend. I think it's 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 a fool's errand to assume that these days now, considering where they are in the world and how they have developed since the days of getting a, a 100-point shellacking at the hands of New Zealand, um, I think those days are, are gone, really, in all honesty, because it, it looks like that... They've been championed as a team for the future, and it's really starting to show up now. Jack, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, on the on the perspective of of people thinking, oh yeah, we should have put forty on this side? Um, yeah, I think you got to give credit to the Japanese side. They they are they really muscled up in defence. They they stayed composed, and they're incredibly like well disciplined team that have been coached really well, and and they know their strengths. They like to play, you know skilled precise almost almost robotic at times sort of game but that's because you know they're they're playing to their strengths you know they're not gonna um bash her they're gonna you know use their highly skilled and pace out wide and and get around you so it was a, it was a pleasure to watch uh, it, it, it's so great to see you know a team like japan like make it up through the world rankings and and become a really competitive team so i i think we were we were we were supposed to win that, and and we did. And you know, so, sometimes it you know didn't go to plan. But the the fact that we were able to pull it out at the end, remain composed, and and really finish the game strong is, is is probably a credit to the team. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it, there. There's a lot to talk about, and then let's get into this this particular topic right now. And I'll throw to you for for, for this, Nathan. I mean, there was you know I think there, it's fair to say that particularly in you know, it, it, there was a lot of things that kind of were, were ch- well, the Wallabies were certainly challenged in that game. I think, you know, when Hodge went down early in, I think, the 14th minute and Pais- and Paisami had to come on and play at the, in the fullback position, um, you know, um, we there was we, there'll be there was a whole thing around, you know, the fact that uh, Paisami had to come in. Sorry, I meant Pattaya going into the fullback position. Um, and all of that conversation, which we'll get into sh- soon, but surely there's a lot of positives to to take from that performance. Uh, what do you what are your what were your thoughts on those perform on that performance, Sinatha? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's plenty you can take out of it that you can like about just getting the win done in the first place. I mean, 
just from an individual's perspective, I thought um, Bobby Valentini just continues to improve and looks like looks set at that number eight jersey, which is wild to say. I mean, six months ago, it was Harry Wilson's almost daylight, but his improvement in 2021 has been incredible. I thought, um, aside from a couple of errant throws, I think Flaufinga was probably probably one of his better games in the gold jersey. Um, but I, overall, for me, what stood out was at set-piece time. Like, we have a, a Wallaby side which is not only stable, but can be dominant. And I think that was really on display then. You look at scrum time, I think it was only when the replacements came on that we started losing a bit of traction. I, I think it was about three, I think three tries came from, either were directly resulting from a set play or had advantage as a result of a dominant line-out or scrum. Uh, and there was, I think, twice as well where Japan were on that attack at 10 minutes and, oh, no, not at 10 minutes, inside that um, the Wallabies 10 metres. I don't know what Dan McKellar saw in their system, but he, he just, it was something to do with how slow they were sort of getting that, that lifter down and getting them all sorted, that all of a sudden, as soon as, as, soon as they recognised it, that it was, they were keeping it in, there was players that just ran in and just, Took took it out, disrupted it, and just allowed your likes of your your Phillips, your Dar- Darcy Swain's coming on just to disrupt it and get that turnover. I mean, when you go look towards a European tour, you think in the past of your games against England where we've been dominated in the past. Um, we we haven't had sort of that go forward from the forwards, and whilst it might not have been there in the backs as much as we might or some of us might have expected. It's a real reassuring sign to see that those forwards really stepping up and especially around that set piece time as we're going to need it when we essentially, well, we're a touchdown in Europe, but when we formally get away with those games against just Scottish, your English and Welsh. So I think there's still definitely plenty of positives to take out of it. Yeah, I, I do think the scrum has been – I think it's been good. The scrum has, has been a bit of a highlight of the Wallabies, even you know going back to, say, Checker's time, in my opinion. Um, I think that even in even though things were even though the game plan was so one dimensional, it was telling that there was an improvement in the scrum. But I do agree that there was a bit of a, a drop off when Bell and Alatoa came on. Um, Dylan, what were your what positives did you take from the Wallabies performance? Was there anything that really stood out to you as something that hey, this is something that we haven't seen from the previous four wins uh, that you know is an indication of where the team's going? Um, I think it was. Um... It was interesting to see, as, as Nathan sort of pointed out, the set piece worked really well this time. Um, I think the line-out came together a lot better. I think there were, we sort of had the, had defensive line-outs was a bit of an issue, especially against South Africa. We sort of got penalised a lot. So it was good to see that really get tidied up. Um, I think to see, I think defensively, we were actually pretty strong. Uh, so that defensive line is working quite hard. Um, yeah, look, it was... It was a pretty scrappy game, so you know it was good to see you know that we did get uh, we did score those four tries, um, and some of the guys look like they were out there having fun, which you know you do want to have. You know, it's, it is a game at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, it did look like they were having fun, which was nice. I especially liked um, going away from the set piece for a moment. Um, there was a lot of talk about you know uh, uh, Marika missing the uh, Marika missing missing out. Um, yeah, so I thought that. 
you know, there was I was kind of really impressed with Tom Wright. I thought he combined very well with Quade Cooper. There was that try in the seventh minute that uh, that was really positive. And on top of it, I think defensively he also really showed showed up very well. Um, Jack, what positives did you uh, did you take from this performance? Were you were you impressed by anything in the back line, or was it all all set piece for you too? Oh, that 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 Tupo try was so slick off the line out. Uh, it was just a great move. <laughs> You know, perform to perfection. That's that's the uh, that's the dream stuff for the uh, the tight five. But yeah, all, all good points. I think yeah, that our line out in particular. I think we won a lot of their ball, um, and I, I think there was plenty of endeavour. They the, the Wallabies tried their hand. They tried to play up tempo and tried to play you know the game at pace with 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 skill. You know, I think I think we did get a bit you know cute with it and. Um, you know, Cooper was probably a, a, a culprit of that at some time, um, chucked the long ball, but it was really, really entertaining stuff to watch. Um, there, yeah, there, there, you know, even when the uh, the Japanese rush defense sort of um, tried to, you know, make a make a, um, a shambles of our, our backline play, um, Nick White, I think, really controlled it uh, really well and, and did a couple of inside plays off the ruck um when when the play started to break down so um we sort of we sort of dug ourselves out of our you know own hole and and with that you know real pressure defense from the uh from the japanese um you know a couple standouts leota was impressive um second rowers put in some hard yards um you know valentini's coming into into his own as you said so yeah all, all pretty all pretty nice and yeah in the past, I feel like that game would have been a you know a banana skin, and that would have been you know killed a momentum killer. But it's good just to see that we can, uh, yeah, put those put those games to bed, even though it was you know in the balance for you know a little bit. You know that that seventieth minute, you know when the you know Quade Cooper missed his kick, and then they got one back, and it was you know within what well, I think it was in within five or seven points at one stage, and it was a bit of a squeaky bum situation. And then you know we we maintained our composure and we're able to, you know, get the win. Yeah. It was, it's nice to see us not, not stuff up, not getting <laughs> stuck on that banana skin thing. It was nice to see them just go, you know what, we got this and actually just trust themselves to, to see it home and win it. I think that was the big positive for me when there was that, I remember being at the, at the pub and, and there was that, I think it was 23, 27 and we had a penalty in front and I was like, take the three, get it out to a margin of a converted try. And then, I think everyone was around me like, go for the try, go for the try. And they went for the try. And, of course, they got the try. And I was like, well, what do I know about footy? Clearly nothing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, let's I – mean, so it's, it's hard to say with that, Nick, because, you know, in the past we would have gone for the corner, cocked it up, and they ran yep. the length of the field. So I'm with you. Yes. I'm always sitting there going, yeah. you know, you know, it's it, kick the points. You win games by points. You don't win – you know, it's, it doesn't matter how many tries you score if you don't have enough points. Yeah, in, um, in the past we would have stuffed that up. So no, it's good. It's encouraging science to see that they're you know be able to. Yeah, that, that was a, a good a good rolling mall to get them over the line, um, which was pretty exciting to to see that. So yeah, I agree. Let's the the Wallabies have now. Let's move on to question two because as as Nathan mentioned, the Wallabies are now have touched down in Europe. They're in Edinburgh um, and they start the process of uh, of going through quarantine and getting ready for their preparation for their first matchup against the Scots uh, in Edinburgh in a fortnight, uh, just under a fortnight's time from now. Um, 
there's a lot to, there's a lot of stuff riding on this tour i feel like there's a real sense of of, of optimism that the wallabies uh, can hopefully pick up you know at least one, a couple of wins here which would really uh, do a lot uh, for Rennie's credibility going forward. I mean, currently, I think it's um, I think guarantee, we're guaranteed to finish the, the year with a positive or at least a decent uh, positive uh, record. And if he grabs a couple more wins here, it says a lot about the, the, the progress of the Wallabies um, over the course of this year. Um, Nathan, I'm going to throw to you first for this question um, because these these three upcoming matchups against uh, Scotland and England and Wales look really exciting, really exciting. Which which matchup are you most excited for? I mean, it's the obvious one, but it's got to be England. Like that's, yeah. that's the. <laughs> I'm probably starting to call answers there, but that's that's the game where if you don't, just Australians in general, when it comes to sport, if you're not measuring yourself against the Kiwis, you measure yourself against England, and it's been one of those games. I think it's also especially for the Wallabies. It's been it'd be real. I, I still think it'd be a real sign of progress, even if we somehow lose to Wales and Scotland if we find a way to beat England because that's something that other coaches haven't been able to do in the past. That's not what Checker wasn't able to do. It's something which it seems like we haven't been aside from that World Cup. It's just playing England at Twickenham has always been something that has really got to Australians teams in the past. So I think this is going to be such a big game for Rennie and the rest of the squad just a I wouldn't say target but Try and make sure, just find a way to not only sort of shut England down, but kind of take that momentum back. And then you start 22 with so much confidence going into a super rugby season, knowing that the team you're going to be playing in, when they come over in July, you've already got that sort of added mental confidence over them, all that sort of psychological advantage that you can beat them. So I think that's your key game in this tour. Yeah, pulling up pulling up the stats right here in terms of actual head to heads of the Wallabies in England, um, fifty one matches. It's tw- uh, twenty five wins to the Wallabies, one draw, twenty five wins to England. Wow. So whoever wins it's... this match gets the uh, advantage in the <laughs> in the head to head count. And it, I think it says a lot. But for us, there's some demons we need to exercise against the against England. Um, we haven't beaten them, I recall, since twenty since that twenty fifteen. World Cup match, um, and I still have very vivid memories of, of my England mates giving me crap uh, in 2016 when they came over and and won three on the trot. It was such a frustrating, uh, such a frustrating series for us uh, when when Checker was caught with his pants down. Um, Dylan, do you agree? Do you reckon the the England match is the is the game that we uh, that that we're that we're, we're we need to get up for, or what do you think? It's uh, one of the other games. No, I 100% think it's the England one. Um, I think I think we're going with the right mindset. We can beat Scotland and Wales. Um, they are beatable teams. Uh, we've just got to go in and play a really strong brand of footy, pretty much what we played against South Africa. Play the way we want to play. Don't get sucked into playing their game. Um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna get into a kicking match, get into a smart kicking match. You know, Russell and Hogg are, are fantastic, some of the best players in the world. And so we've got to make sure they play how we want them to play. Uh, but, yeah, 100% it's the England game. Uh, yeah, we haven't beaten them since 2015. And yeah, and that was almost the thing that Eddie had the mind games over Checker, and we just never, ever played well. And Checker really got sucked into playing Eddie's game. 
rather you know and just multiple times it was really just it's a frustrating fixture but Eddie's going for a few you know big changes in his squad uh, he's got a, got a few young guys a lot of them um, a lot of the older guys are getting um, left out like I think he's pretty sure he's left out the Vunapola brothers um, George Ford's been left out um, I think Jamie George was left out it's been brought back in but um, and he is looking at that that younger that younger squad, like there is a genuine debate who they're going to play at 10, whether it's going to be Marcus Smith or Owen Farrell. So this changing of the guard for England could be a chance to make a big statement for the Wallabies. Um, or it'll be the thing that gets England's tails up and about for the next four years. So it'll be a massive fixture. I do get a sense, um, just, you know, with Eddie Jones, and this is, this is a good chance to talk about this match. Um, because, I mean, Eddie Jones, like, look, going back over the stats of England coaches, he's got the best winning record uh, for any England coach since 1970. I think it's like 19, like since the 60s at least. Um, and he's been there longer longer than any of the other England coaches in terms of actual time and, and matches played. Um, like, he's got a record just, uh, just shy of 80%, which is ridiculous um, in terms of, you know, the performance that he's been able to pull out of, out of this England team. Um, but, yeah, it's... It's it's an interesting one that you talk about how the, the way or the style that he plays and the way that 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 Czech would get sucked into it. It was we we talked about it a lot during during this this period of time and then those seven matches that we lost to England on the, that we've lost to England on the trot felt like seven of the same games over and over and over and over again, which was just which made them just so frustrating as a Wallaby supporter. Um, I've got a question for you, Jack, because I'm making the assumption that you're up for this game as well. In terms of it being the match, if would this series, would this tour be considered a success if we lost Scotland against Scotland and Wales, but beat England? That's, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> um, yes, I think it would. Yeah. Um, and as much as you know, it'd be a great, you know, great chance to get over the old enemy in England because that's you know. That's that that is the pinnacle. I, I'm actually I'm I'm more excited about the Scotland game. I mean, it's you know first job first. Um, it used to be pretty dour watching Scotland play, but with guys like yeah Russell and Hogg, um, Watson in forward pack, they've got some really world class players now, and and they do play an exciting you know sort of brand of footy. And we've we've developed this kind of um, rivalry with them over the years especially you know since ever since that you know washed out game in in newcastle that um you know, what was it nine three or something um and then the yeah, of course nine, nine six that torrential downpour game yeah yeah and then then of course you know the quarterfinal um you know with all that controversy um so i, I think there there is a even a bit of bad blood developing between the two to the two nations and, and it'll be a fiery contest. And I, and I think we've got to win that first and, and gather the momentum heading into that um, England game. Cause you know, if we, if we lose that one, you know, everyone's talking about the, uh, the England game, but if we lose that one, I think, you know, uh, you know, it could get derailed. So I, I think that's a really important first matchup. Yeah, let, let's talk about these other two games. I feel like we've, we've focused on the England one a lot. Um, Scotland have been have really shown that they've got some fantastic potential over the last couple of years. I think, I mean, we only have, uh, like, Czech have struggled against them. I think we we won 
two against them and then lost two against them uh, during his time. And it's interesting looking at Eddie Jones's stats, even though he's you know statistically done very well for England. One of the teams that he has struggled the most against is Scotland, um, which I think is so fascinating. Um, uh, what are what are our th- I'll throw to you, Dylan. What are your thoughts on on the, both the Scotland and the Wales game? What significance does it have uh, in terms of uh, Rennie's development with these with this squad of players? Well, funnily enough, that's we we recruited Rennie out of Scottish rugby. He was coaching Glasgow at the time, so um, it will be. He's probably got a bit of a, a leg up, knows a few of the blokes there, so he might uh might have a bit of in, the inside track for us. Um, yeah, we, yeah we, we've had a bit of an interesting record against Scotland, and Scotland Scotland can be their own worst enemy at times, a bit bit like the Wallabies. Um, I think the bad blood really um, might not be as as prominent now that Greg Laidler's retired because I think he was the chirpiest halfback in world rugby after TJ Piranara. Um, so there's probably not as much bad blood there, but they ha- they do have some genuine talent. And what would be really interesting is because um, they've rec- they've got uh, Sione Tuapalotu in the squad, who's an ex-Melbourne Rebels player. He was the first Victorian to get recruited to the Rebels. So he's a mate of... Uh, Leota and uh, Paisami, so that would be a very interesting matchup if he got to play. Um, if he got, if he got uh, gets to play for Scotland, that would be an interesting matchup. Yeah, I think. Look, I reckon it'll be it'll surprise us. It'll be, this 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 is kind of the the match that I'm most like. I, as much as I do, I think it, you know, with the England game, there is a sense of yes, that there is an opportunity to 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 shake some, some demons and exercise some demons. That Scotland still remains just this un especially considering the last two games that we've had against them where where we lost in we lost in Sydney and then we went to to Murrayfield and got smashed by them i think by like 50 points it was like they they put on us um there's there's some there's an x factor there that that, that at least under che- during checkers time that they knew how to exploit um natho what are your thoughts on both either the Scotland game but also this Wales game coming up cuz Wales have been you know, a, a fair to say not in the form that they have been in the past, um, but there is still a fact they've still got a fantastic squad there, no doubt. And especially playing Wales, it's always one of those games which, no matter no matter the form, it's always close against Wales. I don't know what it is, but whenever we play them, it always seems to be a real close game. Um, so, like, you can't, as much as we'd like to sort of, you can try and look over them, like, they're the... We forget pretty quickly. Like Wales are the defending Six Nations champions. I mean, it sounds yeah, they are. <laughs> it sounds weird to say, given that they essentially played Argentina and let's let's face it, looked anything but. But I mean, they're still going to be dangerous on their day, and it's. I mean, that Scotland game as well is going to be interesting, especially coming off the performance against Japan, getting used to sort of. European rugby, but I mean, if if the Wales that shows up of the Wales that showed up in the Six Nations that you know beat Ireland, found found a way to put a pretty dominant performance against England together, and found found the way to beat Scotland, like they're going to be three great games, which, which are going to be absolutely beautiful to watch. I reckon. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot to enjoy. There's a lot to enjoy in this upcoming tour, and uh, it's great that you know. The Wallabies go into that hopefully with a lot of confidence, but also a sense of uh, of that there's a lot can be that can be improved as well. Because even though we have won five on the trot and it looks like you know the team is really developing under Rennie, 
What's more exciting is that we look at, at, at a five-match winning streak and we know that they can do better, which really kind of is so exciting. And this leads us nicely on to question three um, because we have had some changes uh, in terms of, you know, uh, squad selections. Um, there have been a couple of injuries off the back of this Japan game. Um, and the question that we'll, uh, that I'm going to throw out to you guys is who would you add or who would you move or change around uh, or add to the Wallaby squad? Um, Natho, as the resident rugby.com.au uh, uh, representative, uh, can you give us an update in terms of what's happening, first of all, with the injuries that uh, occurred off the back of the weekend? Uh, I can give you an update on Reese Hodge. There is no update. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> um, look, there's still he's the plan was always to take him to England and then kind of wait and see from there. I think they're they're going to essentially use this time while they're in Brighton just to kind of see the severity of the injury. I think if they were saying if there's anything that's moderate to severe, then he's probably out for the rest of the um, rest of the tour. Without with I think it got confirmed as a pec injury. So that's a bit of a concern, given that he's it's been pretty good at fullback. I thought um, Karevi is well should be available for Scotland game, and I think the word out of um, Rennie on th- last Thursday was that if it was th- that Japan game was played this week coming up, he would have been fit and available to go. So ex- expect him to be back. The only thing, only other concerns is this whole Japanese. Base trio and how yeah. many games are there available for? Now, the regulations basically say we can have them for as long as we want during the during that sort of. If we want them for three games, we can have them for them for for every single one. The problem is, and it's not really the problem. It's more. I think Dave Rennie's trying to play a long game here, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see him go home after that England game because. They, after all, he's been very clear that he wants to keep the Japanese clubs on his side. And when you consider players keep going over there and you have a big fish in Marika Karabetti heading over there next year, I think he might play those political games and just get on their good side so that by the time England come to Australia, you should have those guys available or more readily available coming into the future. So there's... A couple of interesting squad movements that could be happening or which was or may sort of shape the narrative over the next couple of weeks just to keep an eye on. Yeah. It's look it, it, I have heard a lot about all of the about the trio of from of blokes from the Japanese clubs and there's also the guys in, in Europe them, themselves as well. Um there has been a bit of talk about whether uh the likes of Skelton um and Latu will be included as well um in the squads going forward. Um if we if we heard any actually Natho, well before we before we throw it I throw it out to the wider the the wider group about uh, which who we want to add in and such do we know if there's anything happening there or is it or are they sticking to uh, are they sticking with with the current squad? Uh that's a tough one. I think it's they're more likely to make moves if Hodges out. Um, the the name that kept kept getting thrown up un, unprompted was. Luke Morahan potentially coming in as a cover fullback option. There's always that Kirtley Beal potential just floating on the side that could. And if we want to just, you know, reunite the three amigos and just take, get a true test of the culture. But I think that's, it. that's probably the only move 
maybe you maybe look for someone like a Mac Hansen if you you don't have extra depth, but I think that sends the wrong message. So, but I'm I think it all any further additions will probably come from Europe if there's if any at all. So, where's Mac Hansen playing at the moment? He's still in is it, it Texas? Or was he? No, he's Connacht, I think, in Ireland. Oh. He, I, I thought he went over to the um, US. That's no, Mac Mason. Mac Mason, that's it. Mac Mason, sorry. Yeah. Yep. Uh, look up his try. His try from this um, the last game that's gone <laughs> was absolute beauty near the bell. But he's, I think he's he's slowly becoming a cult hero over there. They absolutely love the bloke, and given that, well, he is available for Ireland to be selected. I think there's something. I think in some. I think it might be on his mother's side. I want to say he's got that. The qualified to play for Ireland, just get. Let's just keep them involved. Just keep the options going. So if if we're looking for anyone, I'd probably probably look to bring someone like him in just to keep that line of contact open. I mean, he's only twenty three years old, so why not? Yeah, yeah, he's got plenty. He's got plenty of time left. Um, I mean, plus, also, also the the hat trick as well. I think he scored in the first or second game, where it was a thing of beauty mm. as well. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's there's there's a lot to look at and there's a lot of potential there, um, but not you know in terms of who can who can be brought in who uh, and such. But I will add, I do think that um, this is the part of the problem with relying on overseas players is if their if their clubs go nah, stuff ya, you can't have them. Uh, well, there's a very likely chance that that's going to happen the more these clubs start to grow. Um, because, you know, the, uh, Sale are, are filthy at the spring box now that Faf de Klerk's injured. Um, so I could see it becoming a real problem in the future where the clubs start to go, yeah, maybe we won't give you the international window or we're not going to give you all the international window. Yeah, I think I think that's the game Rennie's trying to play. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, realistically, they have to make him available for that, for that three-week period. Hmm. So... I want to put this to you guys in, you know, putting aside, you know, all the rules and all the politics and blah, 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 blah. Who would, who would be the one guy that you'd want to see um, join the squad? Uh, only because he's a personal cult hero of mine. Um, and I just think he would bring some, he would bring a different dimension than we've currently got in the Wallaby squad. Billy Meeks, get him over from LA. <laughs> The, the versatile yeah. weapon that is Billy Meeks that can play the, the fly, <laughs> flanker slash centre combo. Uh, better than Kurtley Veal can. <laughs> oh no, I, I just think that his the Rebels really miss him. Like He is one of those players that I think if we'd kept... Uh, again, controversial opinion, I would have rather we keep him and lose Tamua because I think him outside um, Carter Gordon... Will help mm. Carter Gordon grow because Meeks isn't looking to be a, tw- a ten, but he's happy to to go in at that first receiver. He can take it to the line. He can defend. He can distribute. He can kick. Um, I um, so I just think yeah. I I would actually say Bill, uh, Billy Meeks is my hot take. So when because he was in and around the squad, and I I do believe he was victim of some of Checkers Checkerisms. We'll call them. Um, and I think that he would bring, as I said, he would bring a different dimension to the back line that if we lose Samu Karevi, he would bring an, an alternative um, mm. as, as another playmaker, which I think we are 
James O'Connor excluded, we are m- missing that second playmaker uh, in that in that twelve jersey. So you would uh, you would you would take you would chuck Paisami on the plane home, would you? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, so this is one of those you know, controversial hot takes. I completely disagree with Dave Rennie leaving Noah Lolaseo home because he needs to grow and put on some mass and everything. He should be on that tour learning and should be around these guys learning um, and building his confidence. That, that poor kid's confidence has been shot since for most of this year. And I, and I think if he's meant to be our future at 10, he should be on the plane. He should be there with the guys. And I'd send uh, Paisami home so that he can actually focus on who he is as a player because he's trying to play like Dan Carter and cross-kick and grubber and he – just can't kick worth a shit. I've got front rowers in my third grade that can kick more accurately than Hunter Paisami. <laughs> and um, I'll send you the video, Nathan. Um, and, and he kicked, he tried the grubber in, a, in our 22 into the bread basket of a Japanese player. It was turnover for them. Like, stop kicking it, mate. But you, try and be Sonny Bill Williams. He came out in an article and said he idolizes Sonny Bill Williams. Run like Sonny Bill Williams. Perfect your offload game like Sonny Bill Williams. You know, Sonny Bill would take three players to bring him down and he'd still get that offload away. It's why he was a, a nightmare to defend. That I just think if Paisami is going to be our long-term option at 12, either we adjust our game plan or he needs to mature as a player. I, I think it comes down to how we want to use him. I, I said this before, you know. Is he, is, he, is he supposed to be the replacement for Samu Karevi or is he supposed to offer something different? And and should the game plan change to you know s- suit his skills? Well, so, well, I do think that Karevi has Karevi's actually one of my like most improved this season. Which sounds I know most people probably wouldn't would be a bit surprised to hear that, but I think back to that World Cup, that Wales game, he made something like 11, 11 carries, you know, great run meters, zero passes, yeah. zero offloads. Whereas now he's breaking that line, he's passing, he's going into first receiver. So that time in Japanese rugby, playing outside Bowden Barrett would probably help him. But, oh, absolutely. Um, but even playing seven, so working out that offload that, you know, if you're going to run over players, you've got to build that momentum to keep the ball moving quickly. And I think that's what he's done. And so if Paisami's the replacement for Samu Karevi, well, he's got to learn to be able to run with the ball in hand. And look... If he dies with the ball, fine. But he's losing the ball in contact. Mm. He's throwing shit passes. He's kicking it. So if he's not up to the wall, and this is, look, he's played more Wallaby games than I'll ever play. He's played more super games than I'll ever play. But if he's going to be that long-term option, because he's only, he's only a young fellow, he's early 20s, take the time now, send him back to Queensland to go and really assess how he wants to play. Because... I think he's. I think defensively he's very solid. I'll give him that. He's very solid. That, that that midfield combination is very solid defensively, but I think he's a liability in attack. And as we've learnt from previous spring tours, we can't. Well, the Wallabies can't win on defence alone. They just can't. So, yeah, controversial hot take. I'd send <laughs> I'd send Paisami home, and I'd get a. Noah Lolaseo and Billy Meeks on the plane. So yeah. the the thing with Paisami, like, it's one of those things. He he gives you that rare thing of being able to kick off both feet, and, and I know you don't rate his kicking ability anyway, but I think he he's done enough to be included. 
for Noah, Noah, I always, I always think it's more, and a lot of those young players, which I'm not sure we've touched on that much. For me, I think it's, I think it's a case of just, we had a 2020 season that finished in December, and you have a well, the 2021 season started early Feb. You then have all these 2021, these young kids who essentially have had a break, haven't not only more physical break, but a mental break. Like over the, over that time, he's played in what, I think two grand finals, been chucked at the All Blacks several times. I think he, he need that mental refresh. But if we are going, going back to the original question and looking at who would bring, bring back in, uh, no, Yaravora, just get it. We missed that barnstorming winger without Corumbete. We just get him back in there and just, even if it's off the bench, just tell him 15 minutes. Just have mm-hmm. fun. Unleash. Go yeah. nuts. Like, that's just an added element that we could have. And I know he's sort of, I think, struggled with injuries a bit, but I'm pretty sure he's sort of coming back in contention with his club side. So, I mean, just give him a call. Just give us that extra option that we can take if, if you are sort of convinced that, you know, we have the fullback in Kellaway, which I know there, there's a couple of other options that have been floated in, Bataille or even potentially O'Connor. But just give you that, that different dynamic on the wing. Or if, we're not, if you're not going to pick him, maybe pick someone like a Parisi. If it's not 11, pick a Parisi at 12 if Simon Carelli's out and sort of get that more like-to-like replacement than I think, Dylan, you're, you're I, looking for. I would for. very much like to see Parisi get a run. Um I think, again, he'd be a good option at 12. Um, cheeky one. Let's uh, let's get in contact with Lewis Liner. Get him on the... Uh, just about to say, I'd love to see us capture Lewis Liner. You were talking about, you know, shifting Kellaway to fullback and I think bring him onto the wing. Um, not only is that, you know, good recruitment, but that also sticks a thorn in, you know, Eddie's side, which we all love to see. Um, so I think he'd be a great get, you know. All, all the all these um, European nations, you know, picking picking our players. Let's let's steal one back. Yeah, who, who would dare pick pick players from other nations and you know <laughs> cap them for themselves? Like who would do that? So, Otherwise, yeah, let's just get Sami Karebi back in. I think he's he's sort of a missing thing. Hey, where's Hunter <laughs> Paisami as well? Where's he born again? Ah, it's 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 funny. There's a, there's a couple of fantastic documentaries out there that covers this topic so much so well. God dang it! But yeah, I, do we reckon though? Here's a question though: Do we reckon that that Liner is actually Wallaby level? I mean, he's still really young. Do you think? Yeah. Like, I feel like it, he's been the talk. He's been the talk of 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 selection discussions because just because he's the son of a Wallaby legend. Like, is he actually ready? Do you watch much of the Premiership, Nick? Like, a little bit. I know he's been impressive. I know he's been very impressive in the Premiership, and I've liked what I've seen. But, you know, there's one one thing about performing at Premiership level, but, you know, international level is a a different ballpark. He plays very smart as a winger. Um, You know how sometimes you get the... Like, you get a ball-hungry winger like Marika Corabetti who always goes looking for work, and then you get the ones who know just know where the, the ball's going to be, and they run a, much, they, they run a different line. So they're, they're out wide, um, and he's got pace to burn. He runs smart. He scores really good tries. 
So if we're not going to go with a big, you know, Fiji and crash, uh, crashing over the top, someone who can and can change direction at pace and can pass at pace. So top doesn't have to come to, to a stop to pass. It can pass at top speed accurately. I there are plenty of other blokes we're throwing caps at at the moment. I'd, I could well, I don't see any problem with throwing a cap at this young fella. Yeah, we've got no problem at picking twenty year olds. So I think you're you're old enough, you're good enough, and I'd love to see him. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's just one of those things. I don't think he's keen. We we can no. say we can we can fantasize what we want. He, well, he's you don't English. you don't think he's ready? He he wants to play. No, I th- no, I think he, he's English. The only, only thing that's keeping him being Australian is the last name. I, I generally think if he wasn't keen to play for England, he would have when Eddie came to him and said no nah, thanks, or would have followed his brother home. Like he's from from my view, he's he's English. Well, if he he's he's been playing for Harlequin since he was thirteen because he's come all the way through that academy, which. It does raise an interesting question around, you know, Australian academies and whatnot, and you know how those guys come through. But like for him, he always wanted to play for Harlequins. Hmm. Um, and hmm. you know, if you listen to some of his interviews, well, I mean, he sounds English, but <laughs> um, he does talk about that. You know, now getting to play with the players that he grew up idolising. Um, so. I don't think we'll get him. I think I think Nathan's right. I think if uh, if, we, if we wanted him, we would have had him. But yeah. I do, oh, uh, you know, can, can only dream. dream. He's also eligible to play for Italy as well through his mum. So he's born in Italy, actually. He should go. He should so, go. There is so much opportunity to play for Italy. Do it. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather him play for Italy than England. That's for sure. Yeah. He can I'm, play I'm 10, 15, that... 9, every position. I'm just yeah. glad that um that Eddie's not given him the one cap because I I genuinely thought Eddie would cap him against us, and then just leave him to the side. I, I just Eddie Eddie's that kind of mind games guy. I thought my, we would do mind you we would do the exact same. It's <laughs> it's that it's that in between of saying why why'd you do that Eddie? Funny. Now that's all he would give <laughs> for a laugh. Just just funny. <laughs> Well, could you imagine we, if we did that to uh, to Johnny Wilkinson's kid? We'd, we'd just we'd cap him in a heartbeat, just to, just to mess with him. Just funny. So I, I think I think from from this discussion, we're all in agreement. The only thing that's that, that we that we would change um, is is as all forwards, we think that the backs are the problem. I like it. Great mentality. This is a. <laughs> I love, I love that this is where well, we're at. I, I don't think that there's any need. I don't think we're going to grow the game by keep bringing in forwards. I don't, yeah. I don't think it's going to help. Um, you know, I'm really glad Darcy Swain's on the tour because I really thought Darcy Swain and Matt Phillip were going to get left behind. And because I think that it's really good that, that we haven't just gone, oh, we've now got these big lumbering guys that are playing well in Europe. Let's pick them. Um, we're allowing these guys to genuinely get better. And I think that's, what, you know, that's how you build depth. You know, if we yeah. leave the if we start leaving the young guys at home because oh yeah we we really like um, you know remember Will Skelton remember how remember how he you know he used to be really average at the Waratahs and now he's a, 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 um, a, a monster in France well yeah let's pick him now because if he comes in and he's rubbish or if Rory Arnold just can't recapture that magic well we're hedging our bets on guys that won't win us you know get us to a next World Cup so building up. Guys like Philip and Swain in the in the, uh, the second row, and um, you know, I do want them to sort out the six jersey. I think 
the chopping and changing and and everything uh, really needs to get sorted, whether they're going to go with Leota, Samu, Swinton, uh, or McMahon, because no one's taken the seven jersey. Um, <laughs> and I think uh, uh, Valentini's done enough to, to hold on to that eight jersey. And I don't really yeah. see anyone taking it from him at the moment. It's funny you mention this because we, we've been talking about, you know, who would you see, you know, put into this role. And I think everyone has said, oh, so many people have made the argument, yeah, Skelton and Arnold, they'd go, they'd slot straight into the starting the starting Wallaby side. And I and I think, Nathan, you made this point in a previous podcast that we, that you disagree, that you think that, that no, like of all the places right now, the forward pack is probably one of the most competitive, probably the most competitive spot for the Wallabies right now. And yes, you might have, you know, the these kind of senior blokes who've been playing in Europe breathing down these young guns back, which might be beneficial in terms of, you know, off field stuff. So to have them off field, but no, but it wouldn't it would be wrong to assume that that the that they would just slot straight into the into the starting side because these young guys are actually playing pretty well in the in the in in the forward pack in the set piece. We've got depth there now. That's the that's the thing we haven't had in the past. But I mean and also when we, when we look at your statement of as forwards we'd bring in backs. I think that also comes down to as well. We've outside of Skelton, Arnold, Latu, who else in, that's playing overseas would you bring back into it, that forward pack? Which, as you alluded to, Simmons. Is, oh, God. <laughs> oh, yes. Bring it back. <laughs> just, needed to, just needed to stir the pot a little bit. I told you I'd come uh, in with some hot takes. Oh, dear. <laughs> no. But you, no, you're right. Like, I mean, maybe Coleman. You could go, you know, if you really yeah. want to go Coleman. Um, I get the Tolulatu, but I would, st- you know, I don't think, I think we still haven't even worked out. Like, flower flying has been good this, this, uh, recently. So I'll, you know, I won't, you know, get, get on his case too much. But yeah, we haven't. We really sort of, we've jumped around a lot with Hooker this year because we've had Walisi come on. We've had, um, you know, Lonigan a couple of times. Now we've got uh, McInerney. Um, BPA's gone. Um, I'm trying to think who you know who yeah. else we've got. And Lonigan. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've got Lonigan. Yeah. Um, Katu, I think as well. Yeah, Katu. Oh yeah, sorry, I keep forgetting about him. Um, he was good. I, I was a bit surprised he didn't get a run on the weekend. Um, but. Again, I think we need to solidify some of these positions and then go, oh, well, well, now we're going to build relationships. So if shit hits the fan, we can bring in Rory Arnold um, or we can bring in Skelton. But if we're building a team relying on all these overseas players, I don't think it's going to be... Because we can't control them, especially if you listen to players talk about what it's like in the French League. Um, We can't control their their S&C, their their rehab and, and any of that. So, yeah. I've, I've said it before on this podcast. I'm not buying the whole Latu and Skelton thing. I think, um, you know, they might be in good form at the moment, you know. Well, but I think some of their, you know, base problems that, you know, the reason why they left for Europe, um, you know, they still exist. You know, you know, Will Skelton's, yeah, sure, a wrecking ball, but he still, you know, carries high and he still does a, does all these things that, you know, were were problems for him at the Waratahs, so. I think, well, yeah. I think that's the problem with a lot of these guys is that a lot of them, we sit there and we, we, I think we look at a lot of them with rose-coloured glasses. Like, 
Tolu Latu was one of the most carded players in Australian rugby. You know, he, he was a liability to have on the field. You're going, when is he going to get a card? Not if, when. And he did. Um, there was time that Rory Arnold couldn't use his size to save himself. And then, yeah, look, he has, he found a new level uh, when he was at, um, before, just before leaving in the last World Cup. But there was a time that you'd go, oh, God. Um, and so it's good to be excited about these young guys, you know, really good to see, you know, Rodder, Philip and um, Swain fighting it out, you know, for that, for those spots, which I think, I just think is great. I think we, I think we in Australian rugby like to look at these guys with rose colored glasses and go, you know, like Tankele Naya Ravoro. Yeah. He was a wrecking ball at the Waratahs. He's got the turning circle of a Mack truck. Um, so he's a liability in defense. So you've got to make sure your fullback is, really solid in defense but he's a machine in attack but we forget that and we forget about you know i'm sure there's someone out there thinking gee nick phipps is playing really well at the london irish but no one's calling for him to come back anytime soon so we've just got to be careful with glorifying some of these overseas players or even looking and realizing the differences in how the game's played so if the, if the game's slower it might suit someone like a skeleton more because it's slower, they play. They might play ten man rugby. Whereas if we go to that expansive running around, he might only have ten minutes in him before he's having a heart attack. Yeah, it's a, <clears throat> it's an interesting one. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, of potential, uh, you know, options available to Rennie, and I think it's it bodes well going into this uh, into this tour. Uh, what what he chooses to go with, and fingers crossed, we can it can lead to a couple of wins in maintaining this positive streak uh, that's going on. Um, I'm aware I'm aware of time, so we'll jump on to this last question. As much as you know, it's been it's fascinating talking about uh, this Wallaby, uh, the potential makeup of the Wallabies. Um, let's talk about this match as a kind of a final point. Uh, this match between the All Blacks and the USA. Um, uh, with as me- as mentioned, the All Blacks putting a hundred. Um, on uh, on the US on the Eagles, um, I think it's it's fair to say that you know there's there has been a lot of progress in US rugby over the last you know uh, three or four years with you know with Major League Rugby and with that competition expanding and with the increased prevalence of it and um, you know it's fair to say that rugby in in the Americas in general is moving in in a solid direction. We look you know you only have to look at the likes of how Uruguay performed and, and Chile and how the U.S. has been, you know, improving over the last couple of years. But this match against the All Blacks was – it was an interesting one, to put it mildly. Uh, the All Blacks ran in, I think it was 15, 16 tries um, and put the, their third biggest score in the history of their – of their of ever uh, on the on the, um, on New, on the U.S. Um, Jack, there's been – we've been kind of asking questions, what, like, around the point of, of – the, the point of these games and let's put aside the most obvious answer which is yes it provides exposure and yes it's there's the whole financial aspect of course um which is you know it's a no-brainer about that but you know are there any point to the, is there any actual point to these games in terms of being a fan and watching it what what are your thoughts on this match yeah it was uh pretty brutal to watch over the weekend you know there's there's people saying, oh, it's just good that the you know get to see the All Blacks and they're running rugby and how good. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how the USA players would feel about it. Um, you know, there, there is that element of getting exposure to that tier one um, level, but if you you know, it's a hundred points, it's like 
Jeez. Um, but, you know, fair play to the All Blacks. They're, they're leveraging their brand um, worldwide, um, you know, going to all these huge markets. Um, and I would dare say they've scheduled it, um, you know, to get the maximum amount of probably, uh, well, uh, you know, um, uh, ladder points on the uh, on the rankings by, you know, versing the likes of Tonga or Fiji and USA. They've climbed up the rankings pretty quick. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know where the, uh, the USA game goes from here. Um, whether that puts their World Cup plans in jeopardy, I, I don't think so. I think, um, you know, it's all the background stuff to whether they can, you know, have the right facilities to host games like this um, and, and things like that. And, you know, there was, I think there was over 40,000 people on the weekend. So, you know, it, it shows that you know, the lure of, of, of rugby and that All Blacks brand. It certainly does. And it certainly shows that, you know, how many All Blacks fans that actually kind of came came out to watch that game, which was uh, which was interesting. It's like it is interesting that you talk about it. I think it is. It definitely, you know, highlights the power and the draw of the All Blacks brand, especially, you know, after there's been so much talk this year about them, you know, going into, you know, with private equity and private investment, et cetera. Um, my question, and I'll throw this to you, uh, Natho, about this. There was been a lot of question around what this actually does for US rugby, because I think Hugh, Hugh Tyndall, who's a regular listener of the pod, made the fantastic point that, you know, when we were kind of asking the question of what does this actually, why is this fixture actually a, th- a thing? What does it achieve? And so many people, of course, were like saying, you know, oh, yeah, it provides the money and, oh, yeah, it provides the exposure and this, that and the other. And and Hugh put out a great point saying that the gap between Tier 1 and 2 is massive as a result of seeing this. So this type of result is is expected. And then he argued that the New Zealand Maori should have played this game or an Australia A style, in, in his opinion. What are your thoughts on this? Is it a case that, you know, for matches like this, even though they may not have the draw as, as, as much as as the All Blacks, would would the would having the likes of a Maori All Blacks or an Australia A have worked better because you would have had a more competitive game? I feel like for development, then that probably makes more sense. But if you're looking to kind of build the brand that is rugby in America, you have to give them the most recognisable one in the All Blacks. So, I mean, I think it was still a decent crowd. That, and you, I saw a lot of sort of US personalities who weren't or who you wouldn't think were sort of had any connection with rugby, start talking about the match and talking about well, the, the, the mythical All Blacks coming and playing in their country. Um, but again, for development, you need to see that more regular Tier 2 competition come back, that thing that was called that Nations Championship. I think they've, they're referring to it. And I know um, there was, there's been reports that that's kind of in, in the works to have more regular competition against if you can get a comp with say us japan fiji samoa tonga and get those teams sort of near full as near full strength as possible not the not the team that got beat 102 nil by the by the all blacks in july ironically and then have that avenue for as you said a maori and australia a team to play but I think one of the things that was nice to see for the US team was it was an all-local team in the sense that all 23 yeah, well, players were coming th- from that Major League Rugby, which I-, I think that's something that you can actually take out of that game is getting that exposure to the MLR and 
showing those pathways and hopefully that can kind of improve the standard of that competition, which is taking some nice leaps and bounds. Yeah, it is. It has been good how how positive the, the growth of, of, of MLR has been. And I think a lot of, you know, you need no further indication of, of it than, you know, the fact that so many Australian players have gone and played there. Darren Coleman's gone and coached there. Um, and there's a, a real sense of growth and development of that competition as a whole. Um, Dylan, would you do a fixture like this in the future? Do you think that there is any merit to it um, in terms of actual... Uh, yes, it, 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 there is, you know, the potential and there's the exposure and everything there between it, but do you think there's any merit in watching another... If, if it is another 100 and something points you're lacking? Or do you think it's the case that, similar to how Japan was 20 years ago, we need, or 15 years ago, we need to give... Uh, the, this US team more time to develop and more time to improve um, before we start, you know, doing fixtures like this. Well, I don't see a problem with with fixtures like this. I just think it's always funny that it's the All Blacks that get them. They're the ones that pick, you know, for the best team in the world. They they don't play the best opposition regularly, so they're not playing England this time round. They're going out to. Um, they, you know, they're, they're avoiding England again. Um, they're going, they're playing these guys, they're playing Fiji and smashing them and they're playing an underdone Tonga and smashing them. And I think that what that does for a team's confidence is it allows you to, you know, once again, to have fun, but it allows you to, to play a very different style of rugby. And so I, I, I put it out there on, on, on your tweet, Nick, and I said, why isn't it that, RA aren't organising more of these. Why aren't we playing the US and Canada? Yeah. Mm. And look, the one comment I got back was no money, but I think that's I think that's crap because I think that's like from a long term perspective, the All Blacks have built a brand in Japan, um, and they're building a brand now. They now what are they doing? They're building a brand in the US where they had one of the House of Representatives or um, one of the senators talk about the impact of having this match being played in Washington and talking about the Harker. Like it's, they're building a brand. And while we're sitting back here, we're missing out on, on all these markets that we should be targeting. And that's, that's where the money is. And it might not be, it might not be that we get paid big bucks from the game, but Hey, we might sell jerseys. You know, you play a game in LA, Christ, the bulk of the LA team are Australian born. The coach is, a, it was, is an ex-Wallaby. Um, you know, player of the tournament was Matt Gitto. Like, play, you know, play, play in LA, get the Giltinis behind you, build a supporter base in Los Angeles, start to build a supporter base elsewhere. Um, that's how you grow the game and growing international fans. Um, so I'd, I'd love to see us play the US and Canada more regularly, along with playing Japan more regularly. To me, less All Blacks, more anyone else. Because um, I don't subscribe to the idea of you only get better by playing the best. I think you get better by having fun and building confidence, and you don't do that by getting smashed sixty nil by the All Blacks three times a year. Um, but I do think I do think that there should be a fixture. I'm surprised that there's not. I think there is an America's Cup, which doesn't include Argentina, but it does have the US, Canada. There's Brazil, I think. The, um, yeah, Brazil, and which I think is a great idea. Um, help, you know, that's how you grow the game and uh, 
Major League Rugby does get a, a decent turnout. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's um, I, I've watched a few games. It's you know there are moments that you're watching, you're going, I'm watching third grade rugby here, and then there are times that you go, wow, that is some some flashy stuff. So um, I, th- I think that they will get better as, as time goes. I think. Um, because we don't, we just, there is too much of a separation. There's the top ten t- teams in the world, and then there's everybody else. Um, and I think should uh, try and beat Chile before they take on the All Blacks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't think the All Blacks are doing that for any other reason than to grow their brand. And I think yeah. that the you know the All Blacks are a brand. It's like the Yankees are a brand. The Manchester United is a brand. And there are people out there who don't watch soccer who will call themselves Man United fans because that's the brand. Or people go, oh, yeah, I follow the Yankees in the baseball or the Lakers in the basketball or the Bulls, depending on how old you are. And so the All Blacks, are, which are probably the only international brand, uh, they've done it in Japan, um, you know, I didn't. I don't think when many of us got to go to the game, uh, the matches this year. But how much black was in the crowd? Mm. Yeah, there was a lot of black in the crowd. There was a lot, and a lot of US, you know, um, fans buying all black, all black stuff, and seeing like you'd see. There's, I think there's a video that was going around Twitter of a bloke who'd never seen a, a, a all black player or a player kick a ball from the sideline to to kick a conversion, and he was like amazed by it. And he was wearing he was wearing all black gear. He bought the whole he bought the whole the, the whole. Setup, I will, I will say that it, it was great to see. Um, it was great to see. I think he was the captain. I'm not. I don't know all the uh, American players, so forgive me if I'm wrong. He was smiling during the Harker. I know everyone sort of going. He was laughing, but I just the, he had pure That's excitement. Just Piers. That's Piers yeah. Morgan being an idiot saying that. Like, no, no, but like him being like I, I just watched him. I went. That's a bloke who was dead set excited to be facing yeah. a Harker. Yeah. Just, there's no controversy. That's just someone going, I've never played them, um, the All Blacks. This is what, a mythical thing in rugby. You know, we, we're, I'm, I'm a little bit desensitised because we see it so often every year. But, yeah, for him, it's like, I'm getting to face this. This is incredible. Um, yeah, so, amazing. and that was the joy. And then for them to score their first try against the All Blacks, like, that was a joy, you know. So there is that level of excitement to it that you can, enjoy, you know, you can enjoy out of it. Yeah, there is. I think. Look, anyone who has who's been lucky enough to have seen or faced a Harko would have gone. Like, would have completely gotten where he was coming from. I think, it, you know, any of the controversy around that. Anyone who thinks that, oh yeah, he was he was disrespecting the Harko is falling into that same stupid mentality. Like, he was clearly having the time of his life and loving the fact that he was here facing the Harker, which I think is amazing. And um, representing his country. Yeah, exactly. And that is something that even though, the, you know, the, there was carnage afterwards, it is something that was genuinely awesome about that day. Um, and it's it's interesting you make, you mentioned in this point, and I think it'll be a good spot to end on, is that, you know, in the past, the Wallabies, like back in 2015, we actually played the US in Chicago um, as a pre-Rugby World Cup test match. It was actually the start of our last uh, passage of, games where we won, you know, more than five on the trot. Um, and it, that game, which we won, looking looking back at it, we won 47-10. I think that it's, an, it's an, a great point that you mentioned that it would be a fantastic branding opportunity to to go to the States and play a game there. Um, 
because addition, and I think a game like that would be interesting because I reckon the US, you know, would be much improved from from something like uh, from you know from from having more fixtures like this. Um, well, I, I just think if you look at player like. I think I put it in our chat. James Slipper mentioned that was his first time playing Japan. What's he got? 106 caps, 100 and something like that. Yeah. He's top and, five now. Yeah, and he's only played Japan. That was his first time playing Japan. We do not play the Japanese enough, and that's not saying I want an easy win, but that's just going. Let's just play someone other than the All Blacks. I'm <laughs> just yeah. Because that, I, I, if you want to talk about growing and and branding and everything. What kills our brand is that people go, oh, I don't want to watch the Wallabies playing the All Blacks. They're going to get they're going to get beaten. You know what helps grow the brand? People going, yeah, I like watching you know a good a good contest between Japan. Hey, and maybe Japan get up, or maybe Fiji get up, or maybe Tonga, and we take it in our stride and we go, oh, it was an off game. But at least you know you you know what you're going to get. You're going to get some fun. You know you're going to get you know uh, mechanical Japanese rugby or methodical Japanese rugby. You're going to get. Fiji and bullshit where they're going to fling the ball around and it's just great to watch. Um, but I'd rather watch that. I'd rather watch us play the um, the uh, Americans and maybe even let them get a surprise try on us and go, wow, that was great. How did they do that? Then watch us play the All Blacks three times and get smashed. So, you know, less less All Blacks, more anybody else. It's the new slogan. <laughs> it definitely... It's so funny that you mentioned that. I think it's, it's, it's a point that is being echoed more and more and more i think it's it also leans into the whole all blacks brand of the fact that yes we hold we've held the blood as low for so long and uh, you know jack and i have been tempted to try the idea of when you play the all blacks you have three tests one year one test the following year which they used to do in the 80s so you have a a, a series where you play three games you know one year and then the following year you have a one match winner takes all scenario which um which of course they wouldn't necessarily do that for commercial reasons, but certainly would make that make it more interesting for us. But it would also give us the opportunity to just play someone else, because when we actually do play against other nations, we we do okay, we do much better than we think we do. And to to measure ourselves against, oh yeah, the you need there's blokes who will still say the Wallabies are on a five match winning streak, um, and I've had this conversation time and time on Twitter again. Where they'll say we were on a five-match winning streak. We've, we haven't done. We've done it for the first time in seven years. But someone will say, "Now nah, I'm not going to watch it because we lost to the All Blacks," Be- um, which I think is just pathetic. Mm. It's such a mm. it's such a narrow-minded way of, and it's it undermines the achievement that this team has <clears throat> has actually done. Um, so yeah, it's interesting points. Really interesting points. Um, I think uh, I think that'll wrap us up for this uh, for this episode of the Drop Kickoff. But before we do, let's let's look ahead and make some predictions uh, for this upcoming match uh, against Scotland because that's probably the next time we'll uh, we'll record a podcast after that Scotland result. Um, I'll throw to you first, Jack. Uh, what do you think? Who do you think's uh, taking home Ooh. the bacon in in Murrayfield? Wallabies by five. I reckon we'll just sneak past. Yeah, it'd be close, which would be interesting. There's a lot of there's a lot of good players in that Scotland side uh, to keep a watch on. Natho, who do you think? Uh, yeah, like Scotland will be good, but I think we, we find a way. We find a way to get it done. I'll, I'll go for a similar scoreline than what we did against Japan. I'll I'll say by nine, Robbies. Uh, Dylan, are you on the same page, or are you going to uh, side with the men in blue? 
Uh, no, I'm, I'm going a, a gold victory. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be a really close arm wrestle, so I'm actually going to go by two. Yeah, I'm feeling in the similar mindset to you. I'm feeling it'll be a it'll be a if we do win, it'll be a by a margin that is comparable to, you know, it could have gone either way. I'm I really think this Scotland side is going to offer a lot of challenges. Um, they've been playing really really well under I think Gregor Townsend, the current coach, um, and you know it's. I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a really tough one. And they've really shown that they have it in them to really put it on us um, in terms of actual, you know, actually getting a, a bunch of wins. I'm going to say Wallabies purely on the fact that right now they seem to be in a really good space. And on top of it, they're playing. This is not the days of, of Michael Checker anymore. They seem to be playing a much more d- uh, multi-dimensional game that isn't as predictable. But you never know. You never know. Um, how, how good will it be just to see, you know, Scotland, Australia at Murrayfield with, you know, I think they, I think they got in full crowds back in England and and the UK now, so that'll be bloody brilliant. It's one of the best. It's one of the best stadiums in the world to watch rugby. I'm not going to lie. I've been to Murrayfield once, and it was bloody amazing. It's a beautiful field to watch uh, to watch rugby being played, especially when it's raining. <laughs> especially like if you can't get more. You can't get more Scottish than that at Murrayfield, and it's pissing down. <laughs> they, they do have some good stadiums over there. We've talked about good anthems as well. I think they've got a pretty good one as well. Scotland don't actually have a national anthem, I don't think. There is a song that they actually like sing and stuff, but I don't actually think the Scottish, like Scottish Scotland, the country, actually have a national anthem. All right. Hang on, I'm going to look. This, I'm going to Google this. I'm, I'm going to Google sure. this. They, to they usually sure. sing. They usually sing "Flower of Scotland" as their. Yes, that's the one yeah. they usually sing. But I think it's an unofficial. Yeah, it is. So yeah, no. They, so they're 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 national. They're oh, okay. It's proposed national anthems of Scotland. So they don't actually have. I mean, the official <laughs> one is "God Save the Queen," but they don't mm. actually have. They've just got lots of de facto national anthems, notably yeah, "Flower right. of Scotland." There you go. There you go. You learn something new every day. You say this is just a rugby podcast. No, we, we make you think good. <laughs> and want to we learn thought... other stuff good too. <laughs> <laughs> um, pleasure as always, guys. Uh, it's a ple- always in- enjoy- a great joy to chat rugby with you lads. Um, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a privilege. Thanks very much, Nick. Hopefully we keep the winning streak down. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, and to all of our listeners, uh, thank you all of you for tuning in uh, week in, week out and listening to us uh, babble on about rugby. Um, hopefully next time we come to you, it'll be off the back of a sixth win. Fingers crossed. Touch wood. Um, and uh, to all of our listeners, we'll catch you the next time around. Hey, right. Well, what did go wrong? I'll have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Shirley Bombo? A bit of genius, a bit of magic. Shirley Bombo, very interesting, very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Shirley Bombo, very good, very good. Oh, got to get in the zone. Here we go. I feel like I'm out of, I feel like I'm out of practice. It's been like three weeks off. Just like the Wolbies. <laughs> <laughs>